All right, welcome back into the nation. It's Chris Lowe with Austin Price. Let's go straight to the phone lines. Good friend of mine. Guy does a great job. Uh, and, and, and I tell you, we, maybe Tom, this, this is Tom Luganville. Maybe we'll spice this interview up. And let's, let's do the whole interview in, in our head ball coach voice. What, what's he call you, Lugie? Lugs? What, Tommy? Lugie. What's all going on? Tom, we appreciate you spending some time. Now, you were part of the ESPN crew last night. Um, we talked earlier today, uh, another ugly loss for Tennessee. It gets a much better team in BYU than they played in the first week against Georgia State. But still a lot, as you look at Tennessee's personnel, you look at what really is plaguing them now. What are your two or three takeaways, Tom, from that loss last night? Tennessee's first 0-2 start in 31 years. Yeah, and I, and I tell you, um, the one thing that's a positive that stands out to me is those kids played hard. They played with great effort. Um, they cared. Uh, I think you'd have much bigger and greater concerns if this was a team that wasn't given effort, that was, you know, just not dialed in, not caring about the football team, the locker room, the fan base, the team. I think those kids do care about that. What was so hard to watch and, and, and see unfold is, for whatever reason, this is a team on defense that really struggles to line up, get themselves in a position to, to play good, sound defensive football, and communicate with each other on the field prior to the snap. You know, three of the six timeouts that occurred last night for Tennessee were because the defense either wasn't lined up or the communication to get everybody lined up was incorrect and the coaches had to call a timeout to try and get everybody settled down and on the same page. And I think that more than anything else is what was so frustrated and frustrating, excuse me, and what led to, you know, the mishap there at the end of the fourth quarter that put BYU in position to, to kick a field goal and take this thing to overtime. Tom, you follow recruiting as, as closely as anybody and, and you've evaluated these kids you've seen a lot of these kids you've seen tons of tape on them and, and i think when you start talking about tennessee can tennessee get back and i think tennessee fans probably need to temper right now what back is we're not talking about getting back to where alabama or clemson or ohio state or lsu is but just getting back to where they're a middle tier sec school and clearly they don't stack up with some of the top teams in the nation but i gotta believe and i want your opinion on this they still have the kind of personnel, do they not, that they should be beating the Georgia States, the BYUs of the world? Give me your take on that. Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment. I really do. Um, you know, right now they're sitting there right around 69 scholarship players. Um, they have had some injuries. They are playing some young guys. But if you notice the young guys that they're playing, and I mentioned this at the top of our broadcast last night, you know, also the Georgia State ball game and heading into the game versus BYU, I think the coaches were in a bit of a catch-22. Do we play some of the older guys, some of the upperclassmen, guys that maybe we believe are going to do the right things, minimize mistakes, but aren't as talented as some of the younger guys? Or do we play the younger guys in realizing that we might have some mistakes? Okay, well, at least those kids are going to grow, they're going to get better, and maybe they're a little bit more athletic than what, what we've had. And so Last night you saw Eric Gray get significant touches, and you can tell he's a little bit different than the other guys. Henry To'o made some plays. He's going to continue to blossom. Um, They just don't have the depth in the offensive and defensive line, and they haven't been able to find the right fixture, particularly in the offensive line, 
to be competent on that side of the ball. And, you know, whether it's Darnell Wright or Wanya Morris, both players that are really good, could potentially be great at one point, and you're, you're rotating them in and out of there, it's hard to generate any consistency and any type of sustained uh, production when you're having a hard time figuring out who your best five are going to be so that you can leave them in there all the time. I thought they were better last week or last night than they were the week before, and will probably be better next week than they were, you know, on Saturday. Did you get the sense with this staff, and I think, you know, across the, you know, when you talk to coaches across college football, that the new the new rule as far as redshirting really does change how a, a coaching staff looks at certain kids, and maybe, you know, you talk about playing, putting some young kids in in place of the veterans, you know, when, when they kind of have that Kelly Bryant rule from a year ago, as an example of a guy who, you know, played the first four games and then decided that he was going to go on and, and, and to greener pasture somewhere else, um, you know, do, do you feel like coaches change how they view how they're going to play an upperclassman now for those first, you know, half the season because they know that those upperclassmen could leave if you just turn to a younger guy? Well, I think it's something you've got to consider. I think roster management now for everybody, whether it's Tennessee or everybody across the landscape of college football, is more tenuous than ever because you you are at risk of, of losing guys, whether it's postgraduate transfers, whether it's undergraduate transfers, and you know guys jumping in and out of the transfer portal. And if they feel like that, you know, there's a youth movement that's going on, maybe they're going to move on somewhere else. And now all of a sudden you've got a lack of depth, which is certainly concerning. Um, I think that's something, though, that's not exclusive to, to Tennessee. I think that applies to everybody, not just at the quarterback position, but uh, across the board. And when, when you're trying to get this team in Tennessee in particular ready to go, I, I think the number one thing that has to happen go, going forward is the guys that are doing what they're coached to do and are doing it with fanatical efforts regardless of what class you're in, regardless of what position you play, are the guys that you're going to have to ride and build the foundation around. And and they're going to play above and uh, beyond anybody else based off of execution and effort. And last night we saw significant effort. Didn't see the execution that's going to allow you to be a good enough team to move forward. Do you think that they – I mean, in, in kind of in your mind, does Tennessee – have to really start to go, I won't say full, whole cell changes as far as the youth movement, but at least lean that way a little bit based off the fact that a lot of these upperclassmen, you know, they, they've, ne- they've not been used to winning. And, and some of these freshmen are coming from winning high school programs, and, and they understand what it takes, the little things, you know, to, to, to get the Ws. Do, do you think that they kind of lean that way as far as going that route? I think there's a tendency to um, because those kids don't know anything other than your way. You know, when you you take over a program, you take over an existing roster, you know, you're going to have some attrition. You're going to have some guys stuck in the system, and you've got to try to, you know, get, you know, the whole buy-in process that everybody talks about and, and, you know, adhering to what your blueprint's going to be in terms of how the program's going to be run. Well, the younger kids that you bring in, that, that's all they know. And I know that Jeremy Pruitt is really good about his younger players. He feels they've got some young kids that are, are athletic, that can run. Are they ready to play yet? Probably not. And, unfortunately, a lot of them are playing. I asked Jeremy Pruitt going into the locker room at halftime, 
uh, in relationship to some of the miscommunication in the defensive back end. It's what's creating it and how do you fix it? First thing out of his mouth is, well, we're young and we're having a hard time seeing things right now. And I think that's sometimes what happens when you maybe have too many inexperienced young guys on the field all at one time, and Tennessee's got a little bit of that right now. Tommy, it's Chris again. You know, you, as I have, we, we've been around Jeremy. We, we've covered him for a while. What, what were you most concerned about him as a head coach when he took the job? And what did you think would be his greatest strength as a coach as he moved into that head coaching realm? Well, I, I think it's hard to forecast, you know, what are the concerns. Uh, I think the answer is almost the same for everybody that hasn't been a head coach before, and that is juggling all the balls in the air at one time. You know, being spread thin amongst your staff and the community, all of the things that you're asked to do that don't have anything to do with X's and O's or recruiting, and how you handle all those things. I think the hiring of your staff is a is something that nobody knows you know, are you getting the right guy, the right motivators, the right X's and O's guys, the right, you know, recruiting guys? You know, they're, what, 18 months into this group and this staff, a season in two games. So I think that that's still undecided. I, I know this, uh, you know, you go out and you hire a guy like Jim Chaney. Well, Jim Chaney's been a guru for three years. Well, he didn't all of a sudden take stupid pills. So, you know, what do you got to do to fix that? You got to recruit. And if you're going to ask me what is the positive that I saw coming when they hired Jeremy Pruitt, he knows how to evaluate and he knows how to recruit. Now, as we all know with the Tennessee program, one of the challenges is you can't build the program just from in-state kids. There aren't enough of them. you got to go into everybody else's backyard and you got to win in North Georgia and you got to win some in Alabama and you got to pluck guys out of other people's backyards that are going to be really, really good players. But that doesn't happen overnight. You guys recall last week after the Georgia State game, he made a comment that I thought was very telling. He said, we don't have enough competition right now on this football team. Essentially what he's saying is that whoever the guy is that's listed as a starter, if the guys behind him aren't good enough to push that guy, then that guy is not being challenged from a competitive temperament standpoint. And they need to recruit to that. The problem is there's no short-term fix. You just got to play through what you have right now. But the long-term fix is to put together a depth of roster where the guy that may be playing the most snaps is constantly being pushed by somebody who's as good, if not better, than he is. And that's not where the roster is right now. Yeah. And, and you're you're dead on, Tom. And, and having you know had to been blessed enough to travel around and watch Clemson practice and Alabama practice and Ohio State practice. I, I say this all the time. I'll go watch the defensive line practice in their corner of the field, you know, or the outside linebackers. And a lot of times it's hard for me to tell because they don't have their, their, you know, they don't have their names in the back of the jersey at those places. Who's first team? Who's second team? Heck, sometimes who's third team? And, and the, the, right. the competition they create on the practice field is incredible. And, and that's what separated those programs. And that's what you've got to somehow try to get to at a place like Tennessee. The only way you get there, though, is you've got to have to build some stability in your program stack two, three, four recruiting classes on top of each other and then develop those classes. No question. you got to develop and you got to avoid attrition. Do you not believe, Tom, and I know we're up against it and got to get you out of here, but do you not believe the only way this thing gets turned around is to have the development part of this? Because, you know, to get your top-end players, you got to win games. Well, to win games, yep. you got to have top-end players. So at some point, you got to have a group that kind of overachieves a little bit that you develop and that everybody can see it. Look what they did with that group. Kind of like Rick Barnes has done with the basketball team here. 
I totally agree with that. And I'll tell you right now, it starts at quarterback. You know, one of the things that can get you off the mat and get you moving forward in a hurry is if you hit on a quarterback early. Now, whether that ends up being Jared Garantano for the rest of the year, whether they decide to say, you know what, we're going to give Brian Maurer a shot. Whatever that is, if you happen to hit on one of those, you are going to dramatically upgrade your chances to be competitive sooner rather than later, which then affects the entire football team in a positive manner. Tom, your overall thoughts of Harrison Bailey? Um, I think that he is a quality passer. I don't think he's a great athlete. I think what you have with him is a guy that's going to be a pocket player and uh, more in the mold of you know what a Jake Fromm was for Georgia in terms of how the offensive style is. Everything is going to be from within the pocket. It's not going to be a guy that's going to create and make a lot of plays and be running around and improvising. That's just not what he is. Well, Tom, man, we appreciate it. Uh, Jim Cheney certainly did a nice job with Jake Fromm in that capacity of Georgia, so we'll see yep. if that's the case at Tennessee. But we really appreciate your time spending part of your Sunday night with us. Safe travels, my friend, and I hope to catch up with you down the road. All right. Have a good one, guys. Thank you. Bye. See you.